Hey, what's up, everybody? <laughs> Welcome to Mile a Minute Movie Talk. Uh, this is your host, Dylan, a.k.a. Diligent Picks, along with Lucas of Ligure Films. How you Hello. doing, Lucas? I am here. I am doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. It's been a minute since we uh, did a mile a minute. Yes, it has. What has been going on lately in the world of movies? Um, You know, it's not a bad time to take a little bit away, but there's been some bigger releases. You know, you have like Super Mario Bros. dominating the box office and stuff like that, but we're not here to talk about those. We're here to talk about the sleeper hit of the season. <laughs> the, the movie that no one's going to see coming that we are calling for possible Oscars uh, campaign? Possible? Yeah, possible. Definitely award season buzz, in is my it, opinion. Is it going to pull in everything everywhere all at once and hold out no. for months? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not saying it's going to win Best Picture. But I'm not saying... Oh, yeah, no. I don't even think it'll be nominated, but I might make a short list. Yeah, well, we will not leave you uh, hanging any longer. This movie we are talking about is Blackberry, not the fruit, the smartphone. Yes, there is a movie. And you're probably thinking, another biopic movie, but it's different, okay? (laughs) Tell us how it's different, Lucas. It's good. Oh yeah, it is. Uh, but it's good. uh it's very much um more comedic than most. Um but it kind of just feels more realistic. It feels very much in the vein of social network rather than like everything else that's coming out recently that's like the biopics about this and the biopics, you know, Tetris just came out. Then there was the one about paint, which was the unauthorized one about uh Ross, Bob Ross. So it's like you've had a lot coming out recently that haven't been getting great reviews. And so this one is getting garnering good reviews still um, for the limited amount of theaters it's in. But it's uh, definitely definitely was a great watch for us. Um, I personally have been a big fan of Matt Johnson for as long as he's been making movies. I saw his first movie when I got first put on streaming. And then since then, I've been a huge fan. I own all of his physical releases that are pretty rare for his TV shows. Um, I have his and his first movie, The Dirties. Then he did Operation Avalanche, took a break, did Nirvana the Band the Show, which is an awesome show. If you find a way to watch it, watch it. Um, and then he did Blackberry, which uh, came out starring Jaber Baruchel and Glenn Howerton <clears throat> and also Matt Johnson, who acts in this movie. Pretty much plays the same character in all his movies, but he's like a fun uh, acting director and he's very good comic relief. Yeah, I... Um, I had no idea what I was getting into with this movie before you told me about it. I didn't look anything yes. up. Um, I don't think I even, I, I don't even recall if I actually saw like any reviews or anything. I just, I knew who the the, the cast was. You had told me about Glenn Howerton and Jay Baruchel and I was like, all right, okay, I'm give it a shot. And to be honest, I was going into it thinking like, all right, it's going to be a fun little biopic movie about Blackberry. Great. And I came out thinking, wow, this is, that was just a damn good movie. Like a very well-made, just surprisingly, like refreshing movie. Like there was, there was so much about it that I, I really enjoyed. And um, we saw it together at our local theater Mm -hmm. with a really nice crowd. If you're able to about 20 people. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty nice. If you're able to see this with a few other people. I think that that 
can possibly enhance the experience because it is a comedy. It's it's yeah. definitely a mix of you got comedy pretty much consistently throughout the film, other than maybe kind of near the end. But it's also got a mix of at times almost like a thriller, and mm-hmm. then and then it's by the end of it you get pretty much a drama. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it has this great like character study drama between like all the characters and their journey throughout the film. Kind of had the shark character in Glenn Howardin who comes in to this company that's founded by two dweebs, essentially, that don't know how to run a company in Matt Johnson's character and uh, Jay Baruchel's character. And um, they they both are very... Kind of Matt Johnson's like the 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 one who makes the decisions and Jay just kind of goes... Or, uh, yeah, Jay's character just goes along with it. That's kind of how it goes. But then, you know, because they realize how down in the dumpster company is they finally... He finally kind of like steps up Jay and goes behind his back and kind of gets Glenn Howardin's character to come in and it forms the beginning of Blackberry and it's very interesting but it has a uh, it has a lot of like heart and touch um, which I really like with Matt Johnson stuff he very much puts it in a world in our world and like has a lot of references that aren't like the basic like Ready Player One references they're like some of them are like more niche or more catering towards specifically what you're trying to go for and so. He took a lot of inspiration from the actual character he played um, and like finding old photos of him. And he's like wearing Star Wars shirts and like Doom shirts. Uh, he wears like Army of Darkness and all that because he was like a movie nerd, early RTS game nerd. All those guys were they like all like the Wolfenstein and Doom games. And so they have that very prominent in the film. And then also they have like a reoccurring movie night thing, which is kind of a funny thing that becomes a tension point in the film. Yeah, I thought that was one of the, like, I mean, for you and I, we, we joked afterwards yeah. because we were like, man, if we ran a company, that's exactly what we would do. <laughs> exactly. But but the thing that I really took away from it was, you know, when it, when you bring up those those references and those Easter eggs, like, even though as a gamer nerd myself, even though I didn't have that, like, I didn't play a lot of those exact games, I'm familiar with them. Like, mm-hmm. I would say even for people who are not, that wouldn't get the references or wouldn't know what the heck they were playing or doing. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily play a role in your enjoyment of the film in any way because the because of the way that they incorpor- tell their story. Yeah, because of the way they tell the story and incorporate them, you sort of understand like a lot of the a lot of the references and instances where like the games or the movies where like those things come into play, it's all kind of yeah, like you said it's to tell a story and to show um, the way when those moments are placed, it's almost very specifically like uh, to incorporate like a, uh, some humor or to show a point being made. Or later, there's a reference that you know, like um, you you start to realize that okay, at the beginning, these guys were just fooling, you know they they worked hard, they played hard, but then as the time went on, they were forced to like work hard, work hard. It was like yeah, they just couldn't really play around anymore because of the stakes. And because of the people that were involved at one point, there's this guy that gets hired. Who's like this huge, like, like scary. Yeah. Just executive. That's Michael Ironside. Michael Ironside. He, yeah. play, he plays this big old executive. Who's like the scariest guy to work for. And he pretty much ruins the fun. Right. And yeah, that's his job. Yeah. And so you sort of, he's like the enforcer. And so you see the relationships change over time and how like, it gives you the sense of like how special some of this stuff was 
for the characters. You really feel their love and joy. And then you see it ripped away from them and taken away. And you see that how some of the characters, particularly like Matt Johnson's character, he's kind of the same guy throughout this whole experience. But then you have Jay Baruchel as Mike and Glenn Howerton as, uh, what was it, Tim or Tom? I'm trying to recall. He played the Mr. Balsilli. I can't remember the first name, but. Um, yeah, I can't remember. He um, ends up, you know, those two change, like, well, Mike especially changes over time where he becomes like, you know, at with the success, you mm-hmm. see the downfall, you see like where all the things that he dreamed of started, he starts to change his view. He starts to, you know, there's this big reference to uh, pr- producing things in China and he's super mm-hmm. against it. And you see him have to, weigh that throughout the film so the film does they did a great job in like finding little moments that you don't think are going to be that significant but then all of a sudden they come up later and you realize how much how important they actually were Mm -hmm. i um the attention to detail was there just throughout it. Like a lot of the technology was great. The soundtrack's great too. There's some like really good artists. I like like Slint was uh, one of the songs in and they're like one of my favorite bands. Hmm. Um, so I thought that that was really cool. Um, but yeah, it has uh, has that uh, the transitions between time periods is really cool. It's like the text on the phone, Blackberry of that time mm-hmm. being used for that. And um, kind of just the journey of them. Is really what like draws you in because you're like, okay, where are they going to take this? There's a lot of all outward people, outside people that, that you kind of run into and stuff. There's like Verizon, you get to see the evolution of them alongside them. Um, you have like the rival, I think it's Boston Dynamic guy. Uh, he keeps trying to buy them and like he said he's going to try to like hostile takeover by buying all their stuff. Oh, Carrie so always. Like, all these, yeah. So there's all these like fun different parts going on that's really interesting and it, doesn't feel like a dramatized story most of the time. Um, there's parts where you're like, oh, this doesn't feel real, but also it's just like comedic, mostly in that point when that happens. Um, but um a lot of the a lot of the like characters get to like really come out like as actors too. Like Matt just goes in on being like this pestering, uh just nerdy guy who knows what he wants to do with the company and knows what him and his friends want and he's not trying to make it the biggest company ever uh whereas glenn Harden really gets to unleash his rage throughout the whole movie which i love like there's just so many scenes of him yelling at people and like being this like tough as nail hards guy uh which is kind of like how he the character who he's playing is uh jim balasek or whatever you said <laughs> basili yeah basili yeah uh jim basili is and um Mike Laz- Lazaridi, uh, Jay Baruchel's character, um, is kind of just there. And he kind of plays himself, but he kind of just, like, is he's kind of that character, too. He doesn't, he has, like, his voice, but he doesn't seem like the normal Jay that you've seen in movies, which I really like. Um, but I really, uh, one thing was cool was, like, showing the, like, dynamic of the company, too, and, like, how they evolve and kind of become, like, this just kind of toxic bro company of nerds instead of like a bunch of frat bros or a bunch of like nerd bros. And then they like slowly, when they get bigger, they kind of like, are like, Oh yeah, yeah, there's a girl there, but like, it's not really a good place for a woman to work. Cause it's just a bunch of nerds who have been given billions of dollars. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I actually, um, I think we were, 
we were both watching a video on YouTube that was um, Matt Johnson responding to like uh, tweets from, uh, or not tweets, but uh, letterbox reviews. Oh and, yeah, yeah. And one of them, he actually touched on the that concept of the, of you know what what the tech life was like back then, where there was a lot, a lot less women in tech and and how the industry was. And he said like a lot of the a lot of the humor and the and the and like the that the the things specifically tied to that were very intentional to show like how awkward it was for a lot of women at that time. Yeah, in that in that industry. Um, but yeah, I. Yeah, it's a lot of people who never had checks and balances until like the end of the movie when they weren't the top because they just kept going up and everything they did was right once Jim joined them. And then once they hit something, they didn't know what to do and everything came falling down because it was kind of like they knew what they could get away with and they were just doing it on Jim's part. And then the other guy just went along with their ideas and what they already did. And it was pretty, pretty interesting to just see like how inept they were at dealing with it adversaries uh when it when it came in because then they just collapsed immediately because mm-hmm. it, it was never made to be like oh we had this one gimmick and once it's obsolete we don't know what to do yeah <laughs> yeah they, it was um when they when they introduce um when they have the iphone press conference in the movie um it kind of feels like you're watching like the d-day bomb or like eleven <laughs> from like their point of view because it's like the end of the world to them yeah so then, that that was like a great scene and how it was shot and they're all just standing there just like death struck and and they're like get back to work after like we this is gonna affect us it's dumb <laughs> yeah i and one thing to comment again on like the the great filmmaking the way they handled that was like i love that the the footage they used in that instance was to to my understanding the real footage of the yeah conference. it was 100 percent the real thing yeah but they the movie itself even though it is starring you know it's not a documentary it's filmed as if it is and it does come across mm-hmm. as if you really are watching you know a documentary if i didn't know who jay baruchel was or glenn howerton from all it's always sunny in philadelphia if i didn't know you know those actors i would have sworn i was just watching you know the story unfold before my eyes because yeah they filmed um, it yeah they filmed it in such a way where we saw like um, like at first i you can you can sort of look at it like a similarity to like watching the office and the way it's told or in the in the shots but then, yeah yeah exactly but you know much much higher budget with the filter and the, and the look mm-hmm. of it to feel like you're in that 90s and early 2000s and then as well as there's a lot of even though like there are a lot of like doc, uh over the shoulder documentarian style shots there is also mm-hmm. a lot of really creative great cinematography moments as well yeah um, that that has a lot to do with uh, the chemistry, uh, just me knowing who they are. Um, between Jared Rabb, the cinematographer, and Matt, they Jared Rabb, Matt, and uh, the guy who did the score, Jay McCarroll, all went to York University together, and some of them knew each other before that. Forget uh, in like high school or like a little bit earlier. So they've all known each other for fifteen, twenty years, and um, they've been making stuff together since um nirvana the band the show the web series which was on in 2007 2008 is when it started but they posted it on their website that they made and so they've been shooting stuff together for about 15 years and jared kind of has that signature style um because that's kind of how they shot uh nirvana and how they shot the dirties uh his first film operation avalanche kind of tones it back a little bit because it's not supposed to be as much but also they're using different equipment 
and so they can't like do all the wieldiness but in this it kind of really fits it kind of being like a fly on the wall and kind of like being there it really feels like you're just watching all this go down and a lot of the creative creativity comes from like the past experience of them shooting very similar things in which i really like uh i want to i should email him because i have his email i have jared's email and so i've talked to him before and i was going to see if we get him on a future episode that'd be cool but um the he's just like a really skilled cinematographer in emulating a certain style that he needs to for exactly what he's doing and kind of have a lot of like comedic control as well with the camera is like a very specialty of him you see in your the band the show but you also see like at points in this movie like his control and maneuverability of like framing and uh character um character framing and subjects in certain shots just makes it like even more funny and there's just like i there doesn't need to be jokes sometimes in this film it just looks funny because of how they're showing it to you because it's supposed to be funny Mm -hmm. because of the situation and i think that goes a lot in between matt's vision and jared's cinematography which i love there's definitely a lot of brilliant um visual uh uh uh, non-verbal humor which yeah, which is really hard to do well. Like there, there's a specific one that, moment in the film that I love when like Matt or his character. I'm trying to recall his character's name, um, but he he's you know Mike's best friend and he's he's trying to like um, help him out throughout the movie. And there's a moment where he is listening in on a conversation through a, through a window. And he's like trying to he's trying to talk through the window, and he can't he he can't tell if they can hear him, so he keeps asking like, "Can you hear me?" He and just then, keeps yeah. It's a scene where they're like trying to get new um, they're like trying to get new people, and he just keeps saying the guy who invented Doom. His name. <laughs> so he's like, "Why get, get him? Yeah. Hey, you guys should get him." And he just keeps repeating it, and then the, the conversation ends, and then um, Jay Barrels' Mike turns to him, and he's just like. And he's like, "Get yeah, Mike. Can you can you hear? You guys can hear me, right? Can, yeah. you, can, can you not hear me?" <laughs> he like goes to open the door. He's like, "I can hear you." Yeah, he just walks away. It was uh It's super funny. Yeah, yeah. It just the, it ends with like him banging on the window, and yeah. like they're like, "What? What the hell?" <laughs> yeah, it's like so. Like like there's a lot of great moments like that throughout this film. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, I think you also get to the point where you really do. <clears throat> it's one of those films where you do really start to care for the characters and what they're going through and start to feel bad, you know, like when you see them go to this, get to this point, like, um, and the, and you see the downfall. And for someone who was never, like, I never actually owned a Blackberry and I did own the very first iPhone. It was definitely a trip to see the evolution of that and, and, and like the pinnacle of that. And, and I never realized truly how successful Blackberry was yeah from being like 45 percent of the market to none today is like crazy yeah and you so you you certainly see like um you you definitely learn a lot throughout this film and i feel like you they just did a great job of really putting their heart and soul into into something that could have just been written off as like a fun entertaining um movie almost like it could have gone like fully uh what's it called like the weird Al Yankovic story, like they could have, Oh yeah. Did, yeah. You know, they could have almost made it like a joke, a whole, mm. like the movie itself, but I'm glad that they didn't. Cause I, and I was, and I personally liked this more than that film, even though very different in what they were aiming for. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that, that kind of sums it up for me. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I can add on. I, I don't want to yeah, give I, up. 
it's like I'm trying not get, to give away too much because I really want people to check this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, yeah, I definitely check it out. Um, there's been a lot of praise from Matt Johnson too from certain people that have seen it. I know, uh, like Patton Oswald and like some other people that I saw that saw it just have been really supportive of it and being like the this movie is really going to be a launching pad for matt into making a lot more great drama mm. and finally having like a big one with big names um as well as he already announced that his next thing that he's doing is a new round of the band the show the movie so <laughs> that'll be interesting they're filming that this summer um but uh after that he's gonna probably go back into like doing some of this and keeping nirvana and like his two things but um it's it'll be it's just good to see someone who definitely is a fun filmmaker to make something good and then kind of like start to get reward for it um he wrote it and directed it um and he has all his like normal guys in and around the movie with uh jimmy carroll and jared rap so it's like pretty cool to see all them like do all their stuff and uh i'm just happy and i was just really excited that the movie was super fun with like a really good cast too there's a couple characters that pop up that you're like i might have seen that guy before like sung woo cho which is a pro cd zd um like a youtuber guy and he had like a crunchy roll tv show he's super funny see him in it there's like some references to memes that don't even do it uh in the movie it's just like a fun trip but yeah definitely if you like glenn howard and always sunny watch this movie because he just gets to do like the glenn rage the whole time and it's hilarious he gets to have um, one one big moment yeah. and it's it, it for for always yeah. sunny fans it is everything it is it's very much like the iconic uh boat scene when their boat sinks in like season whatever early season like three or four and he's just like i am filled with rage <laughs> i am the boiling hell it's just that it's so great yeah um, but yeah definitely check this out um we'd love to hear anyone's opinions on it and once you see it it is just just a fun comedy with just all the hits that you want and nothing too sensationalized and it feels like you're watching real humans but also with the comedic parts that you want in a film like this yeah 100 yeah. percent. my favorite my least favorite thing in um biopics is forced conflict because a lot of stories they have to do it mm. um and so this one does it really well and not having forced conflict and it actually having real world conflict that happened between these characters but it doesn't sensationalize it in any unrealistic way which i love that was actually, I'm really glad you brought that up because I was, in the back of my mind, I feel like there was one more thing I wanted to add. Mm-hmm. And there's this really great visual moment of emotion where you start to, you know, like the movie could have gone so many down so many like cliche, biopic, cliche, really any movie route where like there's a fallout and they get mad at each other and then they mm-hmm. make up or, you know, that's it, you know, like. There's this great moment where, um, you know, Matt Johnson's character, he's, he sees this change in Mike and he, Mm -hmm. he really, he can tell that there's, you know, um, like that this is kind of the moment where things really are going to change and they, they linger on his expression and you can just see sort of the life in his face go out for a moment. And how how much he kind of just he's you know how maybe upset he is, but like, but the film doesn't turn it into this this giant story arc, or you know, like it doesn't overplay it in any way. It really downplays it in a way that's like 
you just know visually you know what's going on inside his head and that's all you need to know you know there's a lot of show don't tell in the best way Mm -hmm. and that like that was one of my favorite moments in the film was just how how they like the the movie takes its audience seriously you know Mm -hmm. it lets the audience really understand what's going on it doesn't spoon feed us all the information exactly yeah you it has like all the means of a like well done drama and just has a good story with it and the characters and the director are like able to meld this thing that just feels like realistic and also engrossing at the same time um where you don't have to like get yourself distracted at all and so that's that's one thing that's really nice you don't really get uninterested in the movie while you're watching it there's just always something coming up it's extremely just, entertaining nothing and well-paced. takes you out of it yeah it's extremely well paced and entertaining i could not like i was pretty much just into it the entire time i i and it, it feels like an hour and a half and it's two hours long mm-hmm. so definitely one you guys need to check out please let us yeah. know if you have seen it and what your thoughts are and if you're gonna see it after hearing yes. our thoughts please see it <laughs> <laughs> well I'm looking at our time here. I think we can try to fit in some Evil Dead Rise, maybe some yes. conversation. Maybe the movie that came out three like a month ago, but <laughs> yes, but we've finally all seen it. We can then include a quick ranking of the Evil Dead movies if we have some extra time. Mm-hmm. So we went and saw. No, yeah, we did. We saw it together. I've seen it twice. Yeah, um, he's seen it twice. He saw it the second time with me. And my girlfriend and our friend. And Lucas and I rewatched uh, Army of Darkness together, and he finally yes, had seen I, all the films. Yes, I saw. I hadn't seen any of the Evil Deads, and I kind of like purposefully did that until they got like. I could either A, see them in theaters, or B, see them in like a 4K setting. And so I was able to finally do that. So I watched all of them. And now you're before. a bigger fan than me. <laughs> now no. I. So yeah, for okay, some context. Be, be, be. <laughs> I've been a big Evil Dead fan for pretty much my whole life and so I'm always looking forward to the next installment. Um I have a I have an Evil Dead related gift for you next time I see you as well. Ooh. It's sitting to the left of me. Oh, very nice. I will look forward to the surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I um I, you know, went into this film I think just thinking it was going to be Pretty good. I wasn't sure what to expect because they took it out of the cabin in the woods, and that was something that was so central to Evil Dead. We saw a lot of change in that regard with Ash versus Evil Dead, so when I really mm-hmm. think about it, it's not the biggest stretch or the biggest idea, but the way that uh, Lee Cronin handled it is really what impressed me the most. I think that he yeah. he went out of his way to really essentially almost do like an Evil Dead story with all the right pieces and elements that you would have with the cabin, but you somehow transfer all of those things and turn them into something that would be set in an apartment. Everything, everything is there. You got the book, you got the chainsaw, you got the boomstick, you got the, the deadites, you got, but the way that they incorporate each one, you even got some things we don't talk about and that we can't really talk about on YouTube <laughs> that uh, Evil Dead is uh, known for mm-hmm. <laughs> with some, I will say, frisky trees. Uh, yeah. But in uh, the in this film, we have an elevator 
<laughs> attack. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which was very... Well, Electrician's nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Which to me was one of the most creatively cool part of the films and that we saw the uh, what's known as the Force um, get trapped in this elevator with our lead uh, who plays the mother of three children and her sister who ha- has a, makes an unexpected visit during a tough time in their lives uh, mm-hmm. when uh, their their mom has been going through some kind of separation from their from the kid's father and from that moment you're uh, also dealing with um, the sister Beth who found out she's pregnant so yes. there's there's a lot of commentary on you know motherhood um, and we see essentially a survival story deep within this what how many stories tall was this apartment it was a huge building seven eight yeah twelve um but you you add all that in and it just added this huge extra layer to the evil dead franchise that only we've ever seen before with family um Mm -hmm. and i think for me in particular that that really hit me the most i loved seeing this family dynamic i thought all the all the um you know i guess i will say child actors they all all the youth in the film were all very good especially the youngest actress um, yeah she was she was really good i really liked her she she just like nailed every like moment of innocence fear um and but just as well she also had a few moments where she got to deliver some good comedic lines and she did that well as and um there were a lot of really cool moments of lore that we've never seen through the interpretations of the necronomicon and yeah, yeah, because a lot of it has to do with that there's three, and that's kind of how they're approaching this new thing, is that, oh, this is one of the three, the other 2013 Evil Dead was a one of the three, and so mm. the original one was the Ash one. You know, and, and the, I'm glad you brought that up, because I noticed that the second time around, when we watched Army of Darkness, there's always been that thing with three Necronomicons, but when I watched that before... You know, the remake came out when it was just the original trilogy. I always treated that moment as just a joke. Like, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. this is just like a funny joke. There isn't really three Necronomicons. There's only one true Necronomicon. But in this case, no, there there is legitimate. Like, I think that is a valid theory that there yeah. is there is actually I three. I think they confirmed it in an interview that each one is a different one. And you can tell that by how the books look, they're all different in each one. Mm. So the original Necronomicon has that iconic face on it. This one had like a different type of stitching. And then the evil dead one looked like it had like another body part on it. The remake 2013 one. Yeah. I know this one had, um, fangs around the, like around the binding or around the, so that was a really interesting thing that they did as well as making it so that, um, yeah, the um, the 2013 one was like stapled together skin. Okay, yeah, yeah, and that's always been in my mind. That's always just been a natural like they want to recreate the book with each film. They want to give it a new yeah. look, and um, which I think is cool. But if they're actually able to incorporate that as like a a way to separate them, if there's ever if there's ever the dream universal crossing project where like you get like evil dead 4 combined with the the, i don't know like the next evil dead rise sequel or something like if we ever see something crazy and bruce campbell is in i'm all for it but i don't i think those days are past (laughs) he's he has all that's kind of the thing like with ash they did so much content 
I like Evil Dead versus or Ash versus the Evil Dead. That I don't know if they'll ever go back to that, and they're kind of taking more of the original horror approach that you have from the first Evil Dead movie mm-hmm. that they redid in the 2013, and they're kind of doing in this one. So you don't have like as comedic parts, but you have homages to those comedic parts that are funny. Yeah, and I think that's fine. Um, it's they're... definitely a different breed now, though, and so it's kind of like some people don't like that, and I can understand that, but it's it's you know it'd be you'd have to kind of do something interesting because it's uh, taking ash away from it is like taking a big piece away from it but you're taking the core story and keeping that and so if you're gonna keep ash you kind of have to continue his story and it's kind of feels like his story's finished and there's so much of the tv show that you'd have to like retcon or pick or just like say oh none of this mattered blah blah so it's like what are you what are you kind of doing there's a lot of ash media in general yeah, so many comments and stuff like that that it's cool to explore other ones, um, but it'd be cool to have him back at one point. I feel like in the movies, and it said that they want to make a bunch of um, a bunch of movies now if this one does well, which it did. But uh, yeah, my my only hope is that they don't overdo it like all these other horror franchises have decided to do. I hope that they they just continue yeah. a, a slower release schedule because I think Evil Dead is always meant to be something that. I mean, it's within the context, you know, evil is never really dead. It's always dormant, you know? So if you can like, if you can build hype after like another decade, that's kind of that, you know, that's from like the long-term fans point of view. I just don't want to see it get played out if they start churning these out every other year kind of a thing. Cause that not only that, but evil dead has always been one of the best reviewed most beloved horror franchises and i'm really worried that this could lead to you know if they if they continue to make a bunch that it could lead to like you know watered down or just you know like i'm worried that one day we will get a bad evil dead movie (laughs) like yeah exactly and that's my biggest fear it's it's like they kind of need to going away because now there can't be really another standalone one you've done all three volumes you have to do a continuation of one so either a continuation of one of these that includes bruce but there's like who's left you know you had like two final girls and do they want to come back do they not want to do horror movies anymore it's like what are you gonna which way are you gonna go with these and so that's pretty interesting what they're what the future is because it said that they want to do like a new evil dead movie every three to four years now if this one did good and it made a hundred million dollars more than its private budget so wow it's uh it's, it's budget its budget was 15 to 19 million it was supposed to go straight to streaming as we remember but it instead warner brothers was like okay we'll put it in theaters and they put it in theaters and it made 135 million so far wow yeah i love hearing that and i know yeah i remember when that was announced the straight to streaming on hbo max now yeah now to be soon soon to be max, max. <laughs> um but uh I just couldn't believe that they would have even considered that. And then of course they thought about it and were like, all right, let's show the trailer. And everyone was like, this looks insane. Yeah. And so they were like, okay, trailer reaction is good. It's going to theaters now. <laughs> so thankfully yeah, they did um, that. Imagine being the people who decided to put prey on Hulu now though. Oh God. How popular that movie was. And like, oh, we could have, we just missed out on an easy $150 million. It's like, who are these Especially because that came out in October. They would have made like one fifty easy. Who are these people that are looking at these like long term franchise m- movies that have been money makers and just like, yeah, streaming? 
<laughs> yeah, as, as streaming, you know, the biggest genre right now uh, in quantity of movies being released is horror, especially in theaters. And it's like, yeah, I'm not, no, we're not going to do it. It's the yeah. easiest way to make money. No, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like superhero and like IP stuff is really popular. But like horror put five to 20 million into a movie. You're easily gonna make 150 with a wide release, yeah. 100 with a wide release, unless it's universally panned. Like even some of these really bad ones, like made a lot of money. No, I hear you. Yeah, it's amazing. Like it, horror really is a money making genre because yeah. pe- people. There's a reason people, you know, like to go to the theater. It, it, there's a lot of aspects to it that people can enjoy. Whether you know, for a multitude of different reasons, to mm-hmm. there's a lot of excuses to go out and see a horror film, I think. And it, it, you know, even though it's sort of geared toward the younger demographic, there are a lot of you know, hardcore older fans of horror, too. Yeah, and a lot of these, like these legacy sequels or just sequels in general, like they put Texas Chainsaw Man straight on streaming, too. That one might have deserved it, but in hindsight, it probably would have that made one a was lot of bad, money. but it would have made money. It was bad, but it was like it would have made money. <laughs> yeah, that's another the example. low budgets because they're taking the blue uh, blue mouse uh, approach of he's like usually more or less he's like five or less, and then ten million plus on marketing, and then they make a bunch of money. But um, they're just like, oh, we're gonna put twenty million into a movie and just throw it on streaming. It's like, are you really gonna get that money back? And also, what's gonna hurt you from doing a first on streaming after a theatrical release got it yeah i think yeah. it's there's got i don't know this whole streaming versus theater thing is going to be interesting for the next few years i really hope the theaters can hang in there and they, yeah. I, I feel like i feel like the the current um strike is gonna have a lot on that because there's like a very anti-streaming pro cable pro movie theatrical okay. release that's good to hear. That's like a lot of things is that um, <clears throat> there's like an interview with one of the writers and he was like, I did a TV movie. I've made off this one movie, six figures. He's like, I made a hundred to 150,000 on this movie. He's like, I did a Netflix movie two years ago. Maybe even a, he's like, maybe even closer to three years. So that's like a longer time since that. He's like, I've seen maybe $10,000 from that movie. And it's just not lucrative. And also the, they can't, there's no, way of revenue because they don't release their subscriber numbers mm. kind of thing and they don't like share that and so it's like what's well i mean if i have the opportunity to go with x studio or x streaming service i'd probably choose x studio it just yeah. depends on like the creative control of that but like if you're not if you're worrying about money and it's like one of your earlier things definitely people would rather go with studios that won't put something on streaming and i mean what hurts putting it in theaters for a month Right. Yeah, like BlackBerry got a limited theatrical release um, when it was supposed to be on streaming originally because they got picked up by like IFC. And so it got like 500 theaters and like, oh, that's nice. You know, yeah. just at least like a small release is nice. It's <laughs> it's the whole cultivation of that. It's just, oh, such a dumb thing. But yeah, very happy <laughs> Evil Dead has was able to like get out of the reins of streaming. Same thing that's happening with the FNAF movie, which we'll probably talk a little bit about the trailer. I don't know. It was yeah. supposed to only be streaming, and now it's being a theatrical and like same week. Wow! Uh, on uh, the exclusive streaming platform, I think it's Hulu or no, it's on Peacock. So oh, okay. Peacock, Peacock's getting it the same day, I think, or the same week that it goes out in theaters. But it's going to be in theaters, so 
Okay. Yeah, well, we'll get into that shortly. Well, let's, how about we jump into our Evil Dead ranking? I thought we could maybe just go. Yes. So we got five films. We'll do num- start with number five. We'll just kind of share, both share our number five. And okay. uh, kind of. Can we say it at the same time? Like, oh, that'd be funny. Yeah. Okay. Just so, um, all right. Let's see. Let me, I, I think I know mine. So, yeah. I know mine. All right. Okay. One, two, three. Evil, Evil Dead, Dead 2013. 2013. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Jinx. Jinx. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like that one is good. Like, I'd still say it's like, I'd give it like a seven, seven and a half. Oh, yeah. I enjoy it. But it's just the weakest out of all of them because it's the rehashed cabin without any of the charm mm. of one and two. Though it has like great kills and blood sequence. It's just no one's like a character that like you really get engrossed by. Or, like, no one's a character that you get really drawn in and, like, connect with. And you're like, you know, this is, like, cool and, like, violent and bloody and glory and stuff. But it's just, like, you know, I I don't connect with it as much as I do the other films. Yeah, that's pretty much how I feel. I, when it came out, I loved it and I thought it, and I've seen, I saw it at least twice and three times now since then. But um, I think with every, I think I actually uh, loved it at first and then I saw it again. And I think I, I may have liked it about the scene, if not more, but the last time I saw it, I did kind of feel like I I don't like it quite as much as I used to. I think it, it feels part- longer than it is if you watch it too much, too. Yeah, you know, it could be that. It could just be, I think once you've seen it enough or you've, you, once you're familiar enough with the Evil Dead story, there are certain elements where you watch it and you're kind of like waiting for certain moments. You're kind of like expecting things. But I did think, um, like from a filmmaking standpoint, I loved ex- everything Fede Alvarez did, but I really, uh, the hardest thing, the, the thing that I have, a, this is a personal preference that I have a difficult time with now is the amount of gross, uh, yeah. gags and gore. And it's it, of all the evil dead films, there's always something gross, but like this one took it to a whole nother level. And especially when you watch it in 4k, you really, you can really see certain things almost too clearly, if you know what I mean. Yeah, where... it goes it goes like too far, and I know like what they're going for. I just like you know, I'm not a fan of the terrifying films. I've seen all I've seen all those, unfortunately, because I was like, how goes for these? I just watched those like two. I think I watched those like a month before Evil Dead. I was like, I'm a prepare myself, and I was like, oh, I hate this. <laughs> At least those have no substance, though. That's kind of like the thing with those. But gotcha. um, with Evil Dead, it's like. There's, you know, there's a story and there's actual substance in it, but it's like, it just goes a little bit too far and you're just kind of like, okay, to the point where it's not always gross or like over the top for you, but you're just kind of like, I don't really just want to watch. It's kind of boring. It was like, this mm-hmm. is like too much to the point where you're kind of just taking me out. It's like, okay, this again. And then you go further and they're like, okay, this again. <laughs> and it's kind of like, you know, it's going to happen because they draw out the build up to it. And you're like, well, I know this is going to happen. It's going to be gross. And I really don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a good way to sum up. And I just think, um, the, there are certain things about it that I, I absolutely love how they did it. And like, I'll always remember, but, um, it's just it's harder for me to sit through and and really enjoy it anymore. <laughs> like like enjoy it as much as I did when it came out because there was a lot yeah. of hype at that time for me. Yeah, like waiting for yeah, a new once that the movie. the honeymoon phase kind of wears off and you have a newer one as well. 
So you're like, oh, I like this one a little bit better. You know, I like this one better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so let's number name four. our number four. I'll let you do your countdown again. One, two, three. Evil, Evil Dead, Dead Rise. Rise. Okay. <laughs> we did not prepare this, guys. We, we did not. <laughs> I feel like we'll have it a little bit different after this, but I don't know. Uh, but yeah, um, Evil Dead Rise, I think I would give that a really good rating at, compared to the other one. Um, it just doesn't have Bruce Campbell. That's the only thing. <laughs> well, mean, it technically does. He's on the record as uh, the guy that says, it's called the Evil Dead. It's called the Book of Dead for a reason. Dumbass. <laughs> but um, uh, it just... That's kind of the aspect that's missing. It is more interesting because you're in a different scenario and stuff. It goes through the same waves and stuff, but I like the characters in this film more mm-hmm. than 2013. Um, the the story is a little bit more interesting. There's a little bit more background. I like the little bit of lore behind the Necronomicon, um, the Messonson, and like how everything works is very like I wouldn't say realistic, but like believable. Like, you're like, oh, no, she's going to freaking let her mom in because she's a little dumb girl. And she almost does, but she doesn't. And then the mom's like, oh, there's an air vent. And she just goes up there and <laughs> goes in there. It's like, oh, that's realistic. Yeah. It's like air ducts in an old building. You know, it's just like <laughs> everything delves down to um, the gore is gross, but it's quick. That's what I like. It's like mm-hmm. if it's shocking, violent, you know, some of them can overstay them welcome. But like the cheese grater scene, I came in thinking that was going to be worse than it was. That was like what my girlfriend didn't want to see, but like that was like just like a snap of the finger, like oh that's yeah. Short. Um, the scalp, the scalping scene was pretty, pretty just quick, but it was there. And you're like damn, and then like some of the other ones were like pretty, pretty bad, but like um, bad in a good way. But yeah, uh, yeah, you know, certain, certain, the, all the stuff that happened in the kitchen was pretty fun. Um, the the there's a scene with a uh, wood chipper that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, not to spoil anything, but yeah, that's like it was a good set piece, and it doesn't like overdo it. It doesn't like oh, here let, let's get a real good close up of the body getting chewed up by the blades, or just like oh, here's it's getting spit out and like right blood kind of homage, but like a little bit better. It was kind of cool, and I just I definitely liked it more from a story standpoint, and I like the characters more, and it felt just more 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 something that I wanted to watch throughout the whole thing and it didn't feel like overdrawn um i do love that you do have to have some dumb person doing something that they shouldn't in, in necronomicon <laughs> there's always that person there's yep. always that person yeah. yeah you have to have that and uh, yeah, yeah. And i agree like um this one was a lot like there was a lot more aspects to this one that i enjoy watching more and in, in the moments where you know the, the gross out or shocking moments they're just not as heavy as the remake uh, 2013 film and yeah like some of the instances you brought up like there's a the beginning there's a intro scene where someone's like it's like you know scalped essentially but it's like you don't really see it happen you see the aftermath but you don't really see it you know they're so like they, they could have really gone further if they wanted to but i don't think they were trying to do that with this film i think they were they added a little more humor especially some dark humor in this one and some, some really funny lines and, and um, Easter eggs. I mean, uh, so the remake had plenty and so did like, they, they both had plenty, but I guess I just appreciated the ones in this film a little bit more. Cause this one, this one had a lot more evil dead two and army of darkness in it in mm-hmm. terms of what, some of the references and some of the, yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I totally missed. Yeah. All the, the stuff from the originals 
original trilogy and kind of the the banter of the demons and the uh what are they called deadites deadites thank you i was gonna say deadicons i was like no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but deadicons. yeah the deadites like their little banter just like your mom's with the worms you little bitch and he's like, what? <laughs> it's like it's it's fun like having that which in the other one it was just kind of like rehashes in 13 of the original one yeah but these are more in vain of the original series but with their you know not being just riffing off of them they're like oh well we're gonna kind of just do some crudeness but it's kind of funny <laughs> yeah all right well this is probably where we're gonna we're gonna yeah that's probably gonna get in okay as most evil dead fans do okay one two three Army evil of dead Darkness. original <gasps> <laughs> okay okay you start yeah um these are all like uh like this close they're like so close i just don't know really how to rank them i'm just gonna rank them in an order uh but yeah i think this one's really good practically i love it uh from that aspect i don't know like i really like one and two are really close for me um because i like i like bruce campbell and two a lot but i also just like the horror and one a lot Mm. And the practical effects and just the miserable conditions that they filmed it in made them miserable people in the film. So it kind of like makes it better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I feel like I feel like just the more Campbellness in two makes me like it. Like Ash, Ash just being Ash in two makes me like it a little bit more. But I really, I really like one, and so it's like really hard for me. This is like a two A and two B situation. Yeah, like just hard for me to, hard for me to give a step by picking your favorite child the more yeah the more ash i think but bruce is just a good actor in this one he's just like oh wow this guy's like a good actor and he's really believable and the other people in the film are good actors and actresses and you're like i really like them too but yeah just a little bit a little bit at the beginning i guess i'm like a little bit more disinterested um after they get into the house and it's kind of like you know 10 minutes of just like getting to the point where the first inciting incident happens yeah but um Outside of that, I think I really, I really like that. Mm. So yeah, Army of Darkness. Um, I love Army of Darkness, and especially after our last viewing, it almost went up. It was like almost like above my next pick, like because mm-hmm. we had such a great experience watching it in 4K. And that is for those of you considering buying it that don't have enough 4K, do it definitely. <laughs> that thing was crazy. Yeah, nice. you could see so much more and be like went back we put in your blu-ray or yeah no we put oh yeah we put in this blu-ray and we're like wow we're like watching the deleted scene and it looks like shit (laughs) and i think i also had my tv settings on poorly but it just added to that too but yeah so with army darkness um it's it's just it's so so different from the other ones so far Mm. off the path but it's just it's it's like I appreciate the ideas and the, and the craziness of it even more um, knowing that it's like, I don't know. Like they, <laughs> like I think just looking you, you, as I've gone older, I've began to notice the filmmaking even more and how, like how did they come up with some of the ideas in that film? That's where I, that's where, that's what like I got out of it from this last viewing was like, I just couldn't mm-hmm. believe that they actually even did this and that, someone came up with the idea to do this 
Yeah. From where Evil Dead 2 ends with him going, ending up stuck in medieval time. It's such a shark jump. Yeah. And, uh, but so I don't know, like, uh, it's so entertaining and fun and it's got great one-liners and Ash is full Ash. Um, it really is like from just a comedic standpoint, it is like the, it has like the best comedy of, of any of the Evil Dead films. Yeah. Um, so if you just want to watch one and have fun and not worry about, you know, horror in any way, this is the film. This is like, yeah. this is the one to get fans to come along if if you don't want to watch a horror film, but you want to know what Evil Dead is all about. Mm-hmm. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> so. Next up. Yeah. Okay. One, two, three. The Evil Dead. Evil Dead. Dead. Ooh. Original. OG. OG. 1984. 81. <laughs> <laughs> not the OG. Not within the yeah. woods. That was like 1978 or something. Uh, the, the original prototype to uh, the Evil Dead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, um, yeah this. I, I said two. Yeah, I said Evil Dead 2. Um, you said one. Um, but yeah, Evil Dead 2. Um, I pretty much kind of already touched on it, but. Uh, did you say did you say Evil Dead Two for the last one or was that Evil Dead? No, that was Evil Dead One. Okay, yeah. So Evil Dead Two for this one, I did touch on it a little bit though, just comparing them. But um, yeah, uh, it's really good. Um, they have like a really strong supporting character, obviously in this one, in uh, the Doctor's daughter, um, and a little bit more interesting um, stuff you're doing with the Deadites. And how their like position work and all that, and like the introduction of the ta- introduction of the chainsaw, and just like all that is just like really fun, and that's what I really like about this film is that it kind of adds a little bit more fun and a little bit more character, and just a little bit more heart because there's a little a lot more budget, <laughs> and so that's definitely where that like what I think about it comes from, and so that's why I really like this one more than the last one, which is Evil Dead original. Oh yeah. Uh, I'll have plenty to say about that movie shortly. <laughs> but um, yeah, so what did I say? The Evil Dead. So The Evil Dead, the original, will always have a very special place in my heart because mm-hmm. I saw that film first when I was like eight years old and never should have seen it at that age, but it left such an imprint in my entire love for horror as a whole, not just Evil mm-hmm. Dead. And I will say, I still think The Evil Dead is probably like my favorite, like just straight, like pure horror film because even Mm. though there is some comedy this film the comedy in it is very much like unintentional there's a lot of you know bad acting moments and bad line delivery moments and just yeah it just ends up coming across funny and that's what kind of just a bunch of friends in the wood trying yeah (laughs) and and that's what led to the humor that was that came in the rest of the franchise but um the i think i always look back at like how they had no money and they they tried to get this done and they ended up barely getting it done and it was mm-hmm. like and you're watching this film wondering how did they get this finished and the effects especially in this first film are so practically just insane especially the um the actual contacts they use for the deadites like those look so incredibly uncomfortable which i heard they are but also 
to me, the first film's Deadites will always be the scariest because they, because of not only how real they look and how practical they look, but the actual context they used in those, uh, in that first film in particular, they never went back to like that same, same exact look. And it was so terrifying as a child. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, I'll never get out of my mind the scene where Cheryl is underneath, as a Deadite, under the cellar, and she's trying to push the door open, and she's just, like, screaming while Ash is getting beat up by Linda or or Shelly or some other Mm -hmm. Deadite, and she's just, like, trying to get it open. They do this close-up of her face, and you see all this, like, blood running down her mouth, and it's just, it's so terrifying. And to this day, even seeing that now, even though I know, like, it's not... It's not truly scary to me anymore. It's still, there's something about that moment that always is still terrifying to me. Yeah. So I think that pure, that pure horror, pure terror aspect is why I can't rank this film any lower. Cause because of the impact it had on me, the impact it had on the horror genre and, um, et cetera. So it's like, I, I admire the film more than I love the film. Oh yeah. I can totally understand that. I would say that I would think like, one I would think is my most impactful. Just like I feel like they just like two is a little bit more refined, but one just has like that grit and that experimental and that like freedom that they had while making it. Exactly. And it just feels way more like a marquee piece of horror yeah. comparative to the other two in the original trilogy, just because of how how it was made and just like how it looks and it just has that visceral feeling of like dingy dungy gross claustrophobic horror and that's what really like makes it nice yeah okay so the last one is obvious for both of us now (laughs) one two three evil dead two um i like comedy and horror (laughs) (laughs) yeah um it's it is like um i told i told dylan it was great when we were watching it i was like this feels like if someone made a rated r version of a disney like film from like the 90s or 80s and that's what it feels like at points it's just like this medieval like screwiness with like a love story and like this guy is not supposed to be where he is but he like fights but it's just so funny um i i, I like i guess i like skeletons because that was hilarious just like the, all the <laughs> all the dumb skeleton stuff and they just got a bunch of different people to voice them like ted voiced a couple of them and all these like other like character actors would just voice them just because they could They're like, ah, oh, I'll do your movie for, for a funny scene. And it just, it just feels like they gave a guy a bunch of money and he made whatever the hell he wanted to. And that's, that's a lot of what I like film wise. I like watching, I like films that are just like, this dude shouldn't have gotten this budget and <laughs> gave him too much power. And that's what that feels like. And that's why I like it so much is because it's just Sam Raimi being like, okay, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want now, <laughs> especially with the original or the other ending. <laughs> oh yeah just like they're just like the slap in the face comedy that just throughout this film is hilarious and it's the most quotable um definitely and there's just all the characters that aren't ash feel like parodies of characters mm. they all just are like so almost one-dimensional to a point where they don't feel real and they just feel like they're serving as a plot point which is hilarious it just feels like everyone is there to support ash on his journey in a way that either benefits him or doesn't benefit him 
but just moves him along towards another point. And it's funny because you're just watching him interact with these pieces that don't feel real. <laughs> yeah, they definitely. So it's it's just so interesting to watch. And I definitely, it's the last one I watch. Oh, actually, I watch Rise after. But it's definitely, I just like it because it's just so fun. Yeah, like, you, you it's endless entertainment. It really mm-hmm. is, that film. Um, but yeah, it's funny. Yeah, all the characters are just, essentially not like like they're just there to serve ash getting from point a to point b yeah <laughs> but uh, but in a good way it's just funny how they end up being those people yeah yeah um okay and so mr you with evil dead 2 dead by dawn so evil dead 2 the reason evil dead 2 is my number one is because it is at the end of the day the perfect blend of the first film and the and the third film in the trilogy. It's it's got the perfect amount of horror and comedy to make it to me the the most pure horror comedy of the trilogy. But I and I think that's why I love it so much because at the end of the day, I like a good horror comedy more than horror. If that makes mm-hmm. sense, like I love the horror comedy genre and there are so few really good ones like yeah i could probably do a top 10 list but there really aren't that many that i can think of off the top of my head even now um you know and so this film I, the pacing is insane all three of these films have insane pacing like yeah they're all 80 they're also one. short yeah they're all 80 minutes to a half an hour if that and or you know uh, an hour and a half but this one i love how it starts off with the sort of recap thing and then um ash just getting his butt kicked for like inside the house just yeah and it just having giving bruce campbell all this time to shine and build up that character more and the the insane scene where all the the um laughing you know uh all the furniture and all the things in the house just start laughing at him yeah and then you see bruce campbell the close-up of his face and he just I'll never forget watching that for the first time, thinking that he actually was going insane yeah. while making that. And I'm just like, he had to be. Um, so, And then, of course, you end up getting like the rest of the people, the cannon fodder. <laughs> <laughs> um, but And then, of course, yeah, the, the birth of... Really, this is like where Ash is truly born with the chainsaw, with the sawed-off shotgun. And the, and that's, this is where the line comes for the very first time, Groovy, which to me is like the most iconic Evil Dead thing. In yeah. that in that scene alone is probably the most iconic Evil Dead scene. Um, so I don't know, you know, it it has so many great elements to it, and it it, it, it to me it was like it like for, especially for what I've heard from interviews, like it sounded like Bruce Campbell and the crew felt that this was the perfect. Um, production compared to the other two the first production was like a nightmare and then for you know the original that and then army of darkness was had its challenges as well so it was like um this was like the perfect executed film for for everyone involved like it was just like not obviously nothing was perfect and flawless in terms of how it all went down but like it seems like everyone had a good time everyone enjoyed it it all just yeah. worked out perfectly and it really yeah. showed on screen like like and to me it is just objectively like the best film as a whole in the trilogy mm-hmm. so i love that movie it's groovy yeah. <laughs> well 
any other closing thoughts? Um, no, I think I think that's, that's it for me. We're just over an hour, but yeah, I feel like definitely one of my favorite. It's one of the strongest horror series, especially five five throughout. I feel like doesn't have a I'm single a fan stinker. Of like, yeah, what? It doesn't have a single stinker. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I was going to say Evil Dead 2013 still clears like half of Freddy, half of (laughs) Chucky, half of Friday, half of Halloween. Like, still better than half of those movies. These movies have been on longer, but this is what happens when the director actually keeps their uh, production together in there. And no, Sam Raimi is now the lead, like, executive producer on these movies. So he just made chooses and picks and he knows his vision exactly he was reminding me of that evil dead rise joke where they say like <laughs> like we're gonna watch all the freddy movies even the bad ones there are no bad ones <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no literally yeah. <laughs> well yeah, i have the friday the 13th box set back there somewhere we're gonna have to uh binge that someday <laughs> um well I think, yeah, since we've gone a little over an hour, we'll save anything else. We not we didn't have too much else. We just had, you know, new yeah, releases. trailer reviews, trailer yeah. first thoughts just, and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah if you haven't seen up. them, Flower the Killer Moon trailer dropped today. It's like, kind of like, it's his teaser, but it's like two minute songs. So I don't know. FNAF dropped yesterday teaser. We had Oppenheimer like a week or two ago. Um, five Barbie, Nights at like Freddy's. Ago. Yeah. Five Nights at Freddy's. Matthew Lillard. Scream King. Josh Hutcherson. That's going to be fun. Uh, of detention, I've talked about that on this <laughs> episode. Greatest, mm, one of my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> one that we will have to watch soon um, together. Announcement, Dylan. Oh, there's a Alamo Draft House showing of it in August. Ooh. So I'll probably have to force you to come down to <laughs> San Francisco, our closest Alamo Draft House, and we'll go see that. Sounds good. We'll make it happen. Yeah, because Omar is coming. So, oh, okay, cool. Yep. Yeah. We'll they they it announced happen. it because he's the same director as Torque, which we saw yesterday. Which is oh my god, 2013? Or what? 2003 Torque? 2004 Torque. Like the, same the, the like biker movie? Yes. Oh my god. The so bad, it's like hilarious to watch. That was so fun in the theater because everybody's there because they know it's not I'm a great movie. I'm pretty sure I so saw that in theaters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we we sat there and watched it, and it was just people were just dying the whole movie because uh, there's all the all the dumb jokes, and there was like the scenes where they drive the bike right in front of like a Mountain Dew ad, and everybody was just dying. It was it was so fun, but yeah, a uh, great place to watch movies is Alamo Drafthouse if you have one near you. Uh, they have weird Terror Tuesdays and Wacky Wednesdays and other special <laughs> showings. So I still haven't gone. Yeah, you'll, you'll be there when we go. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, well. Uh, Anything else? I think that's it for this week. We will probably, I know we'll try to watch Guardians of Galaxy, but if not, we might have our own special showing. I don't know what film it'll be. Um, There's a couple on my list that I've been wanting to show him, like Survive Style 5 Plus, which is a really weird Japanese comedy. Uh, But outside of that, I don't really have any ideas. Something might pop up, but yes. You guys will have Uh, to throw out some recommendations. Yes, the comments are there. Uh, Come onto YouTube if you're not on YouTube and just drop a comment. Uh, in our comments to tell us what to watch and we'll probably watch it yeah uh, if you guys aren't subscribed yet we're on youtube we're on pot uh shop shopify <laughs> spotify uh, spotify app- apple podcasts all the other podcasts out there yes um we'd love for you guys to check in with us and mm-hmm. let us know your thoughts and anything you guys have been watching lately and recommend yes. to us yes and 
last note from me uh on my tiktok because i don't feel like editing full youtube videos i am doing a watching every movie in my collection i put them all into a wheel there's like 300 of them and i'm spinning them and a lot of them are bad so my last two <laughs> last two i watched was earth versus spider straight to dvd movie um starring dan Aykroyd, and it has like a weirdly weird pedro pascal cameo from when he was like a nobody hilarious and then before that was malcolm x so it's all over the board it's fun i just rant about movies after watching them uh but yeah we'll check that on my tiktok uh it'll be down in the link below but if you don't want to look there it's at r-e-e-l death real death nice i gotta get on that tiktok game (laughs) (laughs) ah see what you did there yes but yeah i gotta get on that tiktok game and uh check out your stuff (laughs) totally yeah we'll be there all right everybody well thanks again for tuning in i know it's been a while we had to take a little break but we're hoping to come back and uh, keep doing some weekly bi-weekly episodes for you yes yes we'll be here probably next week probably guardians of the galaxy yes hopefully but yes we hope to see you soon and we will check in soon my friends might drag me to see fast 10 so you never know yes (laughs) (laughs) but uh you guys have been the best and thank you again for watching and listening uh this has been another episode of mile a minute movie talk